Hi everyone, Nicolette here from the Eat Real to Heal podcast. I'm also the CEO and founder of The Green Mustache in beautiful Canada, where we have six locations to serve you. Also CEO and founder of Richer Health Consulting and the Richer Health Retreat Center, where we teach you how to use food as medicine to reverse your disease. Lots of exciting things happening over the next few months. We are going to be launching our Hollyhock five-day retreat on Cortez Island, which I'm so excited about because Hollyhock is such a dynamic, uh, life-changing place where you can go and do retreats and learn some of the most fascinating, inspiring, motivating, um, and you know, ultimately, it's a place that'll give you the tools to change your life around. So we're going to be teaching our five-day Eat Real to Heal program there. So please go online, check that out. We have limited seats, uh, spaces available for that. Um, so check out the show notes below for the link and where you can sign up. Um, I believe we might be getting close to sold out on that one. I'll have to check that out. I am so excited for today's podcast because I actually have my husband on the show, Pierre-Maxime Joseph Richer from Quebec. Uh, he moved out to British Columbia about 20 years ago now and we met, fell in love. Uh, we moved to Whistler, British Columbia where we opened up our restaurants and launched our health consulting business and the retreat center. But prior to that, Pierre was actually a teacher. He taught in the elementary school and high school system for about 15 years. He also taught at Waldorf for about six years. We went on to have three beautiful, gorgeous, amazing girls who now work at our restaurants as well. Even our youngest um, will help out there in whatever capacity she can help out at. But we are so busy that we're often passing ships in the night. So we don't get the opportunity to have deep, beautiful conversations every day because we're too busy creating health in our communities. We sometimes forget that we need to nourish our relationship. So as a last minute whim, I uh, called my husband and say, hey, do you want to come down and do a podcast with me? And he did. So that's what you get to listen to today. I hope that there's some gold nuggets in there that inspire you, motivate you, warm your heart give you a little bit of just something or maybe it just reminds you to take the time out between you and your loved one even if it's your children maybe it's your parents your grandparents your husband your wife your spouse your lover whoever it is just take some time out for each other valentine's day is coming up um, and instead of buying you know the gifts that often harm the body the fake chocolates uh, the expensive crazy steak dinners maybe what you can do is just spend an hour together chatting with each other so stay tuned. Let me know what you think about this podcast. Uh, love you all. Thank you for listening to us and be well. everyone and welcome to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. We are in the studio here in Whistler, British Columbia in the Whistler FM radio station where they have robbed the owners kindly let us use the studio to record all of our Eat Real to Heal podcasts with our incredible guests, guests who come on the show to talk about their healing journeys with cancer and chronic disease, um, finding food as medicine. Uh, we do, we're going to be doing a lot more interviews over 2019 with different doctors and scientists in the field. And really the Eat Real to Heal podcast is just to highlight that there is another way. It is not just about surgery, radiation, chemo, um, drugs. It's not just about living with the disease until you die because in conventional medicine, they say that it, chronic diseases are incurable. What we say to, what we tell our clients and what we share with our clients is that when you adopt a plant-based whole foods lifestyle, when you start using food as medicine in 
instead of food as harm, you can actually put a halt to your diseases, you can reverse them, and you can achieve optimal health, which is full of vitality, which is full of love and abundance and energy, and just really feeling great. It's about being pain-free, and it's about being able to embrace life so that you can do what you were designed to do. You can live your purpose and pour your gifts into the world. So today... I'm super excited to announce that my husband, Pierre-Maxime Joseph Richet, is in the house. And that was him playing his guitar. He just gave a, uh, a little intro for us. He started a band a couple years ago called The Wall Dads. They've been playing incredible shows in the Sea to Sky Corridor. They're so much fun to see. Come out and see them the next time tickets go on sale. So welcome, Pierre. Well, my thank love. you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure um, to have you here. Well, same here. I'm really excited because it's actually like a first. I have never been in a recording studio like this and talking through the mic, especially with my wife. Uh, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, you probably, there's so much about what you and I do on a daily basis with running our businesses that I have no idea what you do. You have no idea what I do. And at the end of the day, when we get home, I mean, it's all about the kids. And so I love just being able to sit with you and to catch up. So that's actually what this podcast is about. We're inviting the listeners in just to hear a conversation between my husband, the CEO, co-CEO of The Green Mustache, our chain of 100% organic plant-based restaurants. We have seven locations. Our seventh location is being built out this year in Edgemont Village. And um, I am also the CEO of that company. I started it five years ago. And we also have Richer Health Consulting. So I run a lot of retreats, which I don't even think you've attended a single retreat, have you? Mm -mm. No, not as a guest. Just on the side, helping, making food, running back and forth. But not actually like just being able to sit in the retreat space mm-hmm. and stay there for a couple of days and take mm-hmm. in all the information. Not yet. No, that's how our lives are like passing ships in the night. And um, I just want to take the, you know, the audience back, the listeners back to when we first met, because that was a huge turning point in, well, definitely my life, obviously, because it led to us having three kids. But it was definitely a huge turning point in your life. Because of the fact that when we first met, you were, I could say, like one big, huge snot ball. Like you were a mucus production machine. Yeah. Uh, you would sneeze about 27 times a day. Uh-huh. There was Kleenex surrounding our entire house. Um, you had, we were covered in eczema. I mean, really, it was kind of a disgusting sight. And I'm not sure how, well, I know you're so charming and beautiful and kind and loving and caring. Um, I was probably, you know, just lovesick by all of that, that I didn't notice (laughs) the mucus dripping out of your face and your body. Um, Do you remember that time? Thank God to my mommy. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know, uh, I was definitely, I think, a product of uh, my province, Quebec, Quebec, right? Like where I came from, where, and I think it's here the same, like where the dairy industry is pushed in the school like in kindergarten you get like your little container of milk every morning um, and you know what I mean like we're talking about like you know like 30 years ago uh, and I had been yes on like dairy since day one uh, and uh, when I came here I had no idea that there was something wrong with me uh, it was just the way i was like i imagine like a lot of people live their life um just being used to this is it this is how i wake up every morning um and i just go through my day so sneezing uh, blowing your nose having eczema um mm-hmm. and but I, I was also like uh, always like doing exercise like physical activities so i think that kind of helped me like to cope with uh, with all that stuff but it was definitely yes uh, a life changing when i met uh, nikki um when Who's i met nikki? you yeah me. i know <laughs> i'm like so not used to this she's actually right in front of me i'm looking in her eyes i'm staring into <laughs> his beautiful eyes right now it is so much and fun to uh, have this time together definitely like i would say like life changing and uh i just on a side note here i'll go back to like uh how uh, I switch my dairy addiction or maybe more like a not so addiction but 
uh, uh, what's like just a use of like addiction i would say because you used to go to bed at night with a plate of cookies like those dads um cookies that come in the yellow bag from the grocery store the ginger snap cookies and and a glass of milk but uh, so yeah when i when i met you um it was a life-changing because for me um every day became like a surprise and today is like a testimonial of this because i had no idea i was going to be sitting with you in a recording studio and just having a nice talk a nice time just chatting about like her stuff so uh that's amazing thank you for that thank you thank you Um, you brought so much goodness to my world as well i love it um so then after we cut out the the four liters container of milk that came into the house and the prosciutto and the pasta covered in butter um, and all the dairy and the nitrate meats and sausages out of the house, it didn't really, do you remember? It didn't really take much time at all for everything to clear up. Oh, no, that was like two weeks. Like two weeks where I switched to almond milk. Um, and I, I mean, at that time, we were still doing a little bit of meat. Yeah, like we, yeah, we weren't always plant-based. Like we, no. it's been an evolution for us over the last eighteen years. Yeah, um, I didn't cut like everything like cold turkey uh, one shot, but the the cheese and the milk uh, were definitely like uh, an eye opener for me because it took yeah two weeks, and then the pile of cli- of Kleenex beside the bed started to like reduce, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we threw less garbage. Less garbage. <laughs> that was crazy like that. No, it, it was it, it was really, yeah. And uh, I mean, now it's been over 20 years and I will only blow my nose uh, if I catch a cold. Like yeah. it's not something chronic, constant. So it, it feels really good um, to actually think about how I was before and now I, uh, I just breathe better. It's great. Yeah, and your yeah. eczema as well. I noticed that the only time, That's like right. it used to be so bad then, um, you know, over his arms and his fingers and his hands and, you know, your feet. And, and now it's basically, it's really only when you've been in a, one of our restaurants working like nonstop around the clock, washing dishes because we're short staffed in the summertime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your hands are wet all the time and it's highly stressful because we've got so much on the go. Um, but those That's are about the only exactly, times, but it's like yeah. one or two days a year it flares up. Yeah, only like mostly like stress related. Yeah, and definitely. no medications, no nothing, hey? Mm-mm. No, I used to actually have a little cream, cortisone, like a certain level of cortisone that was in there, which I, I was given that. when I was in high school. And uh, I would put that on my skin. And I always yeah, had a feeling that it was not the right thing to do, but didn't know better. So um, I was applying this on my skin. So I did that for a few years. And uh yeah, uh, now, yeah, no need of that. Uh, all I do if I'm a little bit stressed and the eczema comes back, uh, usually on my fingers, uh, my fingers, uh, I, I, I'm just aware of like, this is just stress related and I take the time to just breathe and like just deal, address like, what is it that is stressing me? And I uh, usually take a day to max and it's back to normal. Amazing. Mm. Um, I definitely love this journey that we're on together because you're as excited about life as I am. And I know one of the things that most people ask me anyway, and I know that you get asked the same question as well, because, you know, we have the six restaurants plus the one that's being built out. Then we have the other three businesses. We have three kids. We have two dogs, one of which is still a puppy. We run a wellness center. We have the health consulting business. So we have all of this going on. And as I say it out loud on this podcast, it sounds kind of crazy. Like we have a lot going on. But then at the same time, what I do know, or what I feel about our life anyway, is that I love our life. Like it is mm-hmm. exciting. There's never a dull moment. But people ask me all the time, like, how do you do it? And I know they ask you that the same, I imagine. Yes. And what's and the response that you give to people? Well, like I'd say, uh, it, it, like this is w- like the, f- what I have like right now, this like, wow, do you guys do it? But prior to this, uh, one that was coming a lot when I moved from Quebec City to here, the West Coast, I had a lot of people saying, oh, you're so lucky, you're so lucky. 
and really like it's not a question of luck it's a question of choice and i believe that like you know if if it's if you feel it if it's what you want to do just go for it and do it um, because it's it's not a question of luck you just have to like decide what you want to do and go for it um, and then of course i met my wife who's got way more drive than i do in terms of like creating and putting all these beautiful things in the world um, but uh, I'm I'm supporting all that I'm embracing this um, because I love everything that uh, we stand for and um, I definitely learn a lot through you like um, over the last 15 years by not being scared of you know just trying things and I, I think that's really something that resonated with me this idea of like just try it at least even if you fail who cares you'll you'll try it and you'll know that at least you've tried it <laughs> I, th I think i think there's nothing worse than like always saying oh yeah you, you know i'd like to do this i'd love to do this but it never happens and then you're never gonna know like if 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 it was meant for you or where it could have go um, so it's kind of yeah not 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 to be scared of like what is that little thing that you want to do go do it find the time um yeah that's interesting so for you it's like you know just go out and head and do it and if it fails it doesn't matter and that you know you're going to keep moving on and so just go do what you love and try it and it's funny because when people ask me that um i used to always say actually up until it was just, you know, the beginning of January 2019 that I realized I used to always say, you know what, anybody can do what I do. Like you just get up in the morning, put one foot in front of the other, you make decisions, you know, you put the fear aside and just go do it. The same thing um, is what you're saying. And I actually realized it's, it's more than that. Part of the reason why I think you and I have the energy to do what we do um, and tell, you know, you can share with the audience if you agree or not, but it's because we do have a rich, nutrient-rich uh, lifestyle. So when you know we fuel our body and we fuel our kids' bodies with 100% organic food, so we don't have to have our bottles battle the pesticides and the herbicides and the other you know insecticides and chemicals and toxins and genetically modified crap that um, make up our food. We also don't do a ton of refined products. I mean, yeah, for sure. Like we'll have nights when. It's like we're running around taking kids to gymnastics, and so for sure we have to stop at Pasta Lupino, which is our local, um, you know, pasta place. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still refined flour. But you know, we'll stop there and eat that. But then for the rest of the week, we're eating, you know, delicious salads, lots of potatoes and yams, and I mean, everything is whole food, plant based. Um, would you say that a lot of the reason why we have the energy to do what we do is because of the diet that we have? Uh, energy, for sure. I think like you got a point there that it's important to have a strong base. Uh, you know, like I, I try to go to bed early. Uh, I think like that's the, all, all those basic things are, are key for sure. But I, I also think that you need to have in your head this 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 motivation that just like yeah yeah like let's do it and at least well know if you know like when we're talking about the cafe there was a lot of people five years ago well it was like now six years ago and we're thinking about it and putting it out there a little bit we had a lot of people saying remember you know you guys that's risky business uh, you're gonna be like slave to your cafe you're gonna be there like 24 7 and so a lot of outside fear and that would have been easy to like just say oh hmm, yeah okay i'll stay a teacher you'll stay working in the muni and uh we'll have a steady check coming in and we'll just keep it simple like this uh, but i know just because we had the idea and we had to do it because then it would have lingered always there so i think that's all my brain your brain works like if if the idea is there we we cannot just leave it there like we, yeah. we 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 have to go poke it try it and see
yeah, we go po- poke the sleepy bear. Um, one of the things that I, I love telling this story when I'm, you know, speaking to audiences or, you know, hosting a retreat and when people ask me how I started the green mustache and a lot of people might not know this, but we had some friends sitting around the table, some really beautiful friends actually who just sold their business um, and packed up and sold their house and they are taking their three kids around the world for a year um, just to experience being together and seeing the world and, you know, they had a beautiful house in Vancouver they had a yoga studio for 15 years um, that they closed down you know and really they're bringing their family together so they were there around the table and that was about six years ago and Sadie our youngest daughter she was drinking a smoothie and uh, she went to go swallow it and it fell into her face and right away our friend said oh look at that green mustache and then that was when I had that vision for the cafe but a lot of people ask me, like, what did you do next? And really what I remember is laying in bed with you one night and saying, okay, we just sold our house. We have $30,000 to our name. Would you be okay if I took our entire life savings and put it into a cafe? Now, I had never run a restaurant before. I'd never even worked in a kitchen before. I'd served beer pretty much um, is how I got through university was by slinging beer. And um, you had been an expediter in a restaurant and done a little bit of serving. Yeah, just front of the house. Yeah, just front of house stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so we knew nothing about the restaurant industry. And you were like, and I just remember you were like, let's do it. Let's put it all in. Let's try it. And I remember feeling so grateful in that moment because I do have a lot of friends who they've wanted to go back to school. They've wanted to start a business. They've wanted to pick up and move cities or, and they've wanted to take their kids and go traveling around the world, or they've wanted to homeschool their kids and their partners are like, Mm. they're like, no, we're not doing that. Let's just play it safe. Like let's, you know, let's keep it status quo. And you can really see that the fear is there and you know, it's not to judge people. I mean, we, yeah, the you're, you're not saying, Hey, ditch the, uh, ditch the, 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 the partner here. No, we're not saying ditch the partner. No, no, not at all. But I just think that, you know, the timing was so perfect for where we were because, and I, when I tell that to people, I usually get a lot of women in the audience that they, they go, Oh, you're so lucky, um, you know, to have a husband like that. So I just want to thank you for, you know, believing in that dream that I had six years ago. Um, but one thing I do want to chat about is I want to chat about being in Africa because that was such a whirlwind trip of, you know, we went there in November to go visit my 91 year old grandmother who has, you know, she was born and raised in a village in Culture Zulu, and it really is the one of the most rural places you can get to on the planet. And, you know, we got to go stay with her in her village and visit like dozens of my family members. And that was my first time going back to Africa since I was four years old when I left. Um, and that was your first time ever being in Africa as well. Mm-hmm. So what was that experience like for you, especially considering everything that we've been working on for the last five years around food as medicine and being in that village and seeing the food that my grandmother ate? I I think it was the simplicity first of what they ate. Like um, just they they, they don't have much. So everything is cooked simply. The sima, which is um, corn, corn pounded corn maize. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you simply like make this 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 kind of patty thing that you eat with your hands, and then uh, the best the best the best um, sauce that goes with it is uh, pumpkin leaves with a little bit of it was a peanut flour. Yeah, crush pe- they crush peanuts they and crush turn it into a flour and just mix it in. Uh, and then with a bit of tomatoes and, uh, and just garlic. so good, like so vibrant, the food. And it, I, I think what shocked me too, I mean, it's it's not just like the ingredients, but it goes with like the way that it's um, cooked, the way that it's prepared. Uh, being there, like in the village where... Uh, they make their own bricks to build their house. It takes like in a kill that there's just in the field right beside the house. It takes about a year or two to just make the bricks. And you're there sitting on their patio uh, and there's just a little fire right there and everyone is helping to make that meal. And uh, of course, like they, they probably did a little bit more because we were the guests and coming and visit. Uh, um, uh, and then 
this, just the quality and simplicity of the food. But also, like another thing that came to my mind, it was like that, you know, with the level of poverty that they've experienced and uh, you would think that like they don't have nutrients enough and that you would maybe find people that are like starving people that maybe have like a mental disease like i was i was depression like i was and you would meet people and like man, they were they were always smiling always like happy playing uh, soccer yeah just holding play. babies and babies were happy yeah and then like our girls like fit right into their little community uh they started to play all together even with the language barrier uh that was not a problem uh so i think like in terms of like the experience with the food it was ready to realize that um the comparison with what we have here where like we're feeding our body with lots of like empty nutrients and it seems that people are experiencing more problem more like all these things about popping a pill to stay happy the whole day the, the, the i wouldn't see that in africa at all the only thing i mean there was like alcohol is there so that that can take a toll like on the on the on, on the communities down there but the food definitely was like a, i think a uh, witness of like how it can support mm -hmm. uh, the body and like they, they they work hard like they're in the garden at like five in the morning making their beds ready so that when the water comes they're ready they're going to retain the water and then they can plant their seeds so uh, i think for me like that was one of the big awe of that trip to see like how they've got nothing but they still have so many food they have everything they have nice their health yeah, yeah they have their health they have their family they have their community they have their exercise because they're walking for two hours you know to go collect water and carry it back on their heads with their babies on the back um but they have community around the wells like that was something that you can see and it's one of the big things about going into you know these you know we call it developing countries but i'm like don't develop stay exactly how you are that's actually where mm. the developed countries have to return back to those ways of simplicity and mm -hmm. growing nutrient-rich foods and i love that we are able to go there together because i know for myself sometimes and i know for sure that you know some people call me the vegetable lady they're like oh there's a vegetable lady again and um you know and so the, for the believers and the converts and the people who know that food is medicine great no problem but there's definitely a lot of people that think i'm a bit you know off the deep end when i'm saying that you can reverse disease using food as medicine but i just love that i was able to bring you and my family and our kids um or that we were able to go together mm. and you can experience that and i just really would wish that for so many people to go experience that simple life and you'll just watch the chronic diseases melt away so mm. yeah one of my goals babe for 2019 is to design out a retreat where we go live in my grandmother's village for you know for about three weeks and oh take boy, we bring people there. Yeah. What do you think? <gasps> crazy, another crazy idea. Another crazy idea, <laughs> but a good idea. <laughs> hey, you're like, no more. <laughs> 2019 is all about me simplifying and yeah, having so less that's ideas. Not, that's not simplifying it. But no. Okay, so maybe not 2019, 2020. There you go. Um, one of the other things that I think would be very cool to chat with you about, just because we don't get a lot of time to just... Well, this. I think just being here and because, I mean, you know, when people say, how do you guys do it? Mm -hmm. Like, it's definitely like every choice has like pros and cons. Yeah, it has a trade-off. And for sure that like, uh, like being busy like we are, uh, we need to cherish those moments when we're together. Mm -hmm. um, and they are far and few between, hey? Yeah, but I, I, I strongly believe more in quality than quantities right like yes like we could you know have tons of times but just like sit beside each other and watching a movie exactly where you know now uh, for 2019 we've embarked on the challenge of waking up at six in the morning every morning and doing yoga like uh, doing a, a couple of like uh, Wim Hof breath to start the class and um, this is something that I'm really happy that I'm stating on the air because everyone now knows and it's official and I don't need this, but it just makes it more official. 
because I think it's really important. What it's are you announcing? going to be like, you know, like our time. And by the way, we're opening it to like whoever wants to come and join us because uh, we've got this beautiful like yoga space on our property mm-hmm. and we will be there at six every morning doing Wim Hof teaching a little bit of the reading of Wim Hof and then doing yoga just exactly. for an hour to get her started so that at least we see each other for a little bit of time you and know I love those mornings waking up and mm-hmm. for me I need an accountability partner I know that you're so disciplined and you're so great about you know when you say you're gonna get up and go for a run or get up and go for a bike mm-hmm. ride you just go do it or you show up at work in your ski pants and just so you're ready to go and catch two runs that day before you have to pick Always. up the kids. Where I'm the opposite. I'm like, oh, it takes so much work to get my ski pants on and, you know, that I would rather, and I'm a bit addicted to working and I'm a bit addicted to being a little bit. A little bit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot? Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, one of the, yeah, one of my things that I need to work on is less time on my computer and less time working. But um, I love waking up in the morning and, and you're like, okay, it's six o'clock, let's go down to the studio. And we built a studio on our property. So what Pierre is saying is that, you know, there's room for 12 mats. And nice. so if you want to come join us, just feel free to come join us for free. We are going to do Wim Hof together. So that's an incredible breathing technique. Um, we encourage you to do the cold shower afterwards as well when you get home. And then we're going to do some yoga. We're actually, what we're doing, so I don't even have to teach the yoga, is we just have our computer in there and we put on Yoga with Adrienne. She is amazing. We're going to put the link at the bottom of this podcast. But Yoga with Adrienne is a 30-day challenge. We're just going to do all of her YouTube videos. And once we run out of her YouTube videos, we'll probably find somebody else on YouTube. And that's our teacher. And that enables all of us to just like really sink into a nice um, breathwork practice and yoga practice. So yeah, DM us and we'll give you the deets. Um, That's the logo. DM is direct message Pierre and deets is details. I saw you look at me. (laughs) All right. I'm picking up the lingo um, in the, of the podcast world in this new age tech world. So yeah. So Loving the yoga, loving the Wim Hof. How do you like the cold showers? I love it. I love it. How does it make you feel? Like, and I love it to the point where, you know, in the winter, like um, after the class at seven, I don't want to necessarily like um, get my hair wet, but I've got that call that like my body like just want my head to like get all that cold water uh, so there's a bit of a struggle there and I uh, usually I just like my my rationality loses it and then I just need like I put my head under the shower head and it feels so good it's you know like it, it feels good everywhere but there's I don't know why there's that calling my head needs to get that feeling of like all that cold water ice cold water ice cold on my head and my ears uh, if I just do kind of like a little bit the armpit and the back of my neck it's kind of teasing like you actually <laughs> my head have full <laughs> submersion yeah so I get to wet those hair and then go out uh, and start the car shovel the snow off the car with wet hair. Uh, but you know Wim Hof would be like hey just like whim it off you little you know (laughs) yeah it's (laughs) it's like he would go like no in his shorts like cleanest car but I'm not there yet but it's definitely like something uh, that yeah I'm super interested in and I want to pursue more uh, I'm starting to like read the book that you that you got uh, Mm -hmm. if it doesn't kill you yeah, it if it doesn't, doesn't kill you. If it doesn't kill yeah, you. Yeah, that's another guy who did the Wim Hof. Of yeah, Wim so Hoff there was Wim Hof's book, Iceman, that came out. And mm. then there was, yeah, If It Doesn't Kill You, is another guy who studied it even further, and he's mm-hmm. been practicing it. And then he wrote a book on that. And I want to share that link as well with everybody. If you don't know what Wim Hof breathing is and the Wim Hof method, it's really about combining mindfulness this deep breath work that really exchanges this CO2 for oxygen in your body. So it oxygenates your cells at a very deep tissue level. Um, It affects your hormones on a healing level. 
It affects your immune system, cranks that up, um, pretty much makes you resilient to everything, including temperature. So you're able to go out into the elements, whether they're, you know, 100 degree weather or, you know, minus 40 degree weather, and you can withstand these intense, sharp um, elements without it affecting your body, without you getting heat stroke or getting burnt mm. or getting um, you know, frostbite or anything like that. So we're starting to incorporate that in, but I have a challenge for you, Pierre. Mm. You want to go um, jump in an ice cold, chip through the ice and go sit in an ice cold lake this winter with me? Sure. I'm a little bit afraid to do it, but I'm ready. I think we've been doing the breathing long enough and the cold showers long enough that I think I can do it. And I've had some clients that I've yeah. taught this to, and they've been sitting in the lakes for like up to 10 to 20 minutes. It's oh, awesome. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm sure because it's the same principle as a shower. Mm -hmm. Like you go cold, cold, you get out in the normal air and it feels warm. Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, I don't even think like it's just like inside my body. It's also like just the outside elements that you just play with. Exactly. And yeah. I remember when I, I played tennis in university in the States. And in the second year, I actually hurt my shoulder quite badly. I had a torn rotator cuff that was like one of the worst um, torn rotator cuffs that they had seen. And I remember that they had two tanks in their physiotherapist's room, which I think every physiotherapist should have built into their offices, every chiropractor as well. And I would have to submerse myself up to the neck in ice cold water, like you saw the ice chunks floating around in there, just to be able to get to my shoulder. And I would have to sit in there for about 10 to 20 minutes and um, do breathing and do everything. So technically, I was doing Wim Hof over mm. 20 three years ago 24 you years never ago never told me that i know i forgot about that mm. it's good what comes up hey mm -hmm. what we discover about each other yeah okay let's discover more shall we uh i have a question for you yeah she's more interviewing me i'm more what you're more like i'm the guest you're the guest yeah well yeah. you know i like it being a conversation that we just go back and forth like <laughs> if anything comes to mind you can ask me questions too oh yeah, sure. yeah i'm happy yeah, to answer yeah, them yeah. um but one of the things is, what is it like for you being a 21st century dad and raising kids and trying to raise them with healthy food well, especially because we have a 14-year-old now. She works, she's works. she been working in our, in our restaurant for the last three years. Our 11-year-old is starting to make money and they're going out and buying you know, whatever they want. Like, How mm -hmm. do you, I know how I handle it. How do you handle it? Uh, I, I, how do I handle that? I think like I'm just like leading by example. Like I'm not trying to force anything on our kids. Uh, simply by modeling, you know, when you open our fridge, like it's just whole food. Like we don't have anything pre-packed in there. So just the fact that like w we are leaving it, uh, they are doing it in a way. Uh, but there comes also for sure like the outside influence like every day and um, I also believe like a little bit in a balance um, but you know they're starting to I think they are starting to understand that like um, there is within like all the plant-based diet the whole food there is ways to create treats like treats mm -hmm. that they associate with like the chemical stuff that the like candies and all that uh just say the yesterday we had the uh cantaloupe cantaloupe yeah yeah cantaloupe cantaloupe and uh, she cut it and she was like first she probably didn't choose it but she was like i choose that one so <laughs> i don't know where that came from yeah. And she was like, it is so juicy <gasps> and it's so sweet. Like she was eating it like a candy. Yeah, she's seven and years old. Yeah, yeah, she just loved it. So so I think, yeah, it, sometimes it can be a little bit of a struggle, right? Uh, but I mean, I don't make a big deal out of it. Like yeah, I'll, just say, it I'll just say no to the bag of chips and uh, we will make popcorn instead and we'll put nutritional yeast on it um dolls dolls like whatever right and it's 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 it it, it served the same purpose it's as good yeah i tend uh, to freak out about it a little bit more because you know our daughters love baking in fact uh, a few months ago they had a bake-a-thon that they just woke up in the morning and decided oh, that they crazy were going to bake yeah. and they baked for 10 hours straight from mm -hmm. 10 in the morning 
excuse me, 10 in the morning until 8 at night. And what was pretty cool, it was right around your birthday, and they actually made you a record player that had a turn, yeah. like a full turntable record player with a needle that you could move. And it was gorgeous, but we had, it looked like a purebred bakery, and there was you know, like 10, 15 desserts on the counter. And, uh, you know, and of course, everything was made with refined sugar that they rode their bikes to the store and they bought and refined flour. And they with rode their money. With their money. And, <laughs> you know, for me, I was trying to be happy for them because they love baking, um, which I think is so important to love being in the kitchen. But, you know, so I just looked at it all and I was like, oh And my it was gosh. a sister thing, right? They were doing it together. It was sister bonding. Like it, it was, was really awesome. Nice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely we still continue. Uh, me probably more than, not, more than not has a conversation with them about like, hey, could you make some other healthier choices or you wanted to make that cake? What other ingredients could you have used that you know would have been healthier um and yeah it's it's a challenge hey with kids oh, like yeah, yeah. For the, the the food i know for sure it must be like a real challenge for a lot of families like to especially like going to school and then like you see what, what the other kids have there in their package uh, i think it was cd like now she's in grade two and she was asking me about those little cheese stick, you know, like the thing that's in the plastic and it's like a little stick. It's supposed to be cheese in there. And you, you like you, you, you take it oh, with your fingers, cheese, string yeah. cheese. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. And uh, I just had to explain to her one time that it was like it was like plastic, that that was not food. Uh, yeah, that's not real food. No, exactly. We eat real food in our family. So she got it, and she never asked for it again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to get like uh, stuck into like what all the other people eat, why not me? And and that yeah, we and don't that give stuff. in to that. No. no. What you I find can't. seriously like more hard than the food because I think we're doing pretty okay with the food. Mm. It's more like the digital world, oh, the I screen. Know. It's that, crazy. That like it's just like uh, everywhere. It's in our house. We we have three compu- computers. It's just kind of like it. It's so easy that it becomes our first reflex to I'm bored, but I'm going to do, go do this. Yeah. We're um, constantly like running after the kids. Hey, like, and that's it, what it, I feel. I spend most of my time doing is negotiating with them and sometimes yelling and being frustrated and angry and being yeah. like, leave the phone alone. Don't touch my phone. That's my work phone. But you know, they just have that automatic, especially, you know, our middle daughter has an automatic reflex. If there's a phone sitting there, she cannot help but check it at mm. all. Like she just wants to pick it up and start scrolling through emails and just reading emails or just reading texts or, you know, if there's a game on there that she can play, she'll just automatically, you know, go for it. And that's the part that I find is, yeah, even harder than the food is the screens. And and like if we say like there is no screen, they're fine. Like they will figure out something else, but it's it's more about us i think that it's sometimes we need time and then it's easy to just say like yeah yeah grab this but i had that experience when you were away um last week where um it was just one of those mornings where finally i could have slept in right Mm -hmm. and then i was like oh that wouldn't be bad like just an extra hour so I said to the girls, I, I didn't even say they, they were already on it. I knew they were there. So I was like, do I get up and or I stay in bed? And then I went for the bad option. I stayed in bed. Mm-hmm. And Not a bad option, but there's a trade-off to it, right? Oh, yeah, and the trade-off, that's why I'm saying bad because mm-hmm. it was not worth it at all. Okay. It set the day. like, and, and this is kind of like for me, I knew all that stuff, but then, you know, you get lazy and I just fell for it. But now I'm not going to fell for that one again because the day was so horrible. Because they um, started off they, they were basically like, yeah, in front of a screen for two hours. And uh, the, the, the rest of the morning was just like, bitching at each other mm-hmm. like just like non-stop no cooperation we were supposed to go ski took us like about three hours to get out of the door mm-hmm. and even when we're on the hill like it was just and i and i'm confident that it's the way that we started the day if i, I had, see it as well if yeah. i had got up and be there with them and then like there's no screen we're like hey like you know we play a, a card of game uh uh, we, we start making breakfast together. We make our lunch. Like This is like all working together, more proactive. That's cooperation. Um, yeah, then we would have been on the hill. Everyone would have smiled. 
sure they could be a little scratch here and there but not like what i've experienced because mm -hmm. they were just zoned out zombie like with that stuff going in their eyes and whatever they were watching too i don't even know what they were watching i'm sure it was okay because yeah, they, 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 they're, they're yeah. sensible kids, but yeah, it is so challenging that was a lesson that I know for sure. And I think we agree that like we're going back to one movie a week. If, you know, even like why, you know, why one movie a week? Yeah, yeah. why? Like we could like totally like just say it's going to be like a games night. It's going to be like a walk. It's going to be... Um, and that Doing takes energy out of us like to do it. Actually inviting people over yeah. for dinner and then with, with, with their friends, same age. Yeah, I'm hearing that, that more and more now too from lots of families where they're like, we never see our friends, we never see our friends. And I think that when you go through those years, those early years when like the kids really do have to be in bed by seven and you know, you're like, you know, and it's fine to like go hang out with friends and then bathe them at your friend's house and put them in the car and transport them. But you know, we're also have just gone, we're in the phase of driving the kids to gymnastics and the other one has soccer in another location. And you know, so at the end of the day, we are tired, but it does come down to being principled and it does come down to having values and, and both parents need to be on the same page. And that is, again, what I love about you is we are on the same page when it comes to media. We're on the same page when it comes to food. We're on the same page when... We just got lazy sometimes. Yeah, but we That's get lazy. And also you might go through three or four years of being the chaperone and running kids around and then it's easy just to stay in that habit. But you do need to recognize when you've reached that point where you're like, oh, this is just a poor habit that we've adopted where it's just easier to do that and where you have mm -hmm. to actually make a conscious choice to be like, hey, let's do something different. And it's the same thing with food as well. Like um, one of the things I want to chat about as uh, well. Hold on, then I want to add something on this yeah. ha habit. Like what I want to do is install also a new habit, mm -hmm. not just looking at like the one that like we don't want to perpetuate, but new stuff, something I miss like from when I was a kid uh, in Quebec City it was like we had more dinner with like uh, three families together mm -hmm. right like, like we used to do that when we had party, our house in North Van it's social yeah when the kids were younger yeah. and then I understand like there's a bit of a phase where we transition we moved to Whistler now we just moved to Pemberton um, but now that the kids are getting into kind of preteens and stuff it's even more important that yeah. like we have like their family their friends we invite them for dinner yeah. so we need to make that happen yeah the parents because that as well. and, and and that even if like y you can think like uh i don't think like this but i'm kind of more seeing this for the people who are listening to us and they want to get inspired um, that it's going to be work it's not because it's so enjoyable mm -hmm. like it's so much fun to have like your friends coming over yes you're gonna get the dirty dishes but you're gonna do the, the, the dishes together or if like you don't care like you can have just a good time and they Play go and then after this you do your dishes with your wife and you have a good talk and you know it's fun yeah it's not something it's kind of these things that can be perceived as like oh it'll be a lot of work oh, yeah. but the energy that you get from it is huge and that was the thing in africa too is that when we were visiting my grandmother like nobody ate alone everybody ate with like 10 15 20 people surrounding them and mm -hmm. it was all community and the babies didn't cry because the babies were always being held by a, another sibling or a sibling's friend or an auntie or an uncle or a grandma or a grandpa and that was what was so beautiful about that and and I know that I've heard so many families say, oh, I never get to see my friends. We don't have dinners together anymore. And we fell into that trap. So I have a challenge for other people. Um, anybody who's listening to this show is, you know. Our address is our, come, yeah, come to our Friday. house. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, uh, maybe not. But um, we would definitely open the door to you if you showed up. But, you know, go out there and go through your, you know, your phone or wherever you keep your addresses and the contact information and just put it in the calendar and you have to schedule it because otherwise it's never going to happen. The weeks will fly by and just maybe schedule like even one dinner a month or, you know, if you're already doing mm -hmm. one dinner a month, do two dinners a month. And if you're already doing two, do one a week where you just have a dinner and open up your home to your friends and to the community and to, you know, even some your new neighbors and the people that you may not know as well. 
get to know them, invite them into your house. Because one of the things we know about longevity mm. is that people who eat together and live together, they live longer and with fewer chronic degenerative diseases. So I know that you and I need that, babe, hey, mm-hmm. where we need to have more um, more friends and family over. And now that we've gone through the like growth stage of our business, I think that this is our year where we can commit to doing that yeah okay so we're wim hopping it yoga every single day which we've already started it's like we're on day 21 um and one uh one a week one a week yeah okay. start, yeah one a week is totally one a week yeah let's do one a week yeah. we have not been doing that in fact we had friends when we moved from our last place where we lived for four and a half years and a lot of people think we are so social because we're you know we have the restaurants we have our businesses so like everywhere we go we're always seeing people that we know and having conversations but I it's thi- all fake it's all <laughs> it's not um and so people think that you know like it can feel like it's social but we do need those intimate um dinners or intimate days you know even just oh yeah yeah even and it's like, like with friends and having hot for chocolate. us but i think even more for the kids because yeah. i remember like you remember when we went to see uh yerbe mate yeah this psychologue guy giving his talk oh not yerba mate yeah. that's a tea <laughs> Okay. Uh, Gabor Mate. Gabor Mate. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we probably had tea when we went yeah, to we see him. Yeah, we probably did. We're drinking your Mate. That uh, that's funny. So, yeah, this is me. I always, like, uh, change names for other things. And people who knows me, like, they're getting used to it. And yeah, they perfect. even understand what I'm saying. So that's Everybody great. can understand what you're saying. But, um, yeah, like, the um, he, he was talking about, like, how important, like, the, the primary uh, attachment, the, the, the contact. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't have the right word for it, but, like, it's it's the best way i think like to or one of them to like keep this bound with your teenager Mm -hmm. when you actually like model having people over and having a a a glass of wine together not getting drunk wasted like just having a good time yeah the kids so what pierre's saying here is that um kids need to have to be adult centered not peer centered and so these kids need to see how adults behave in a healthy way in a healthy environment um because if they're always looking to the peers guess what their peers are not going to behave in those ways because they're going through those same learning stages um you know as the next kid the same age and so by having a diversity of ages together and really having your kids be surrounded in adult environments is super healthy for these kids and just like pierre said we even had um it was new year's hey and Jaden, oh yeah said, freaked you out that here freaked me out mm-hmm. when our 14 year old said you know can i have a glass of um it was a grapefruit beer yeah from austria a nice little cider 2.2.1 alcohol yeah. Volume per 355 millimeter. Yes. And I thank you for being so accurate with the details. And I did. I had one of those moments where this is where Pierre and I hadn't discussed this in advance. So here's the situation. My d- It's New Year's. We're at our house and my daughter says, you know, hey, can I have some beer? And Pierre's like, no problem. You know, he's from Quebec where, you know, drinking beer and, you know, I mean, everybody drinks beer. So and he poured her a glass and I was like, what no and especially because of the fact that um well it scared me because we live in a world where there's so much addiction we live in a world where um you know i know the effect where we have the science now and we know that alcohol uh damages your liver we know that alcohol isn't good we know in the communities that live to be 107 alcohol is not consumed regularly and so for me i was like oh my gosh what are we teaching our daughter but at the same time it comes back down to the showing our kids how they can drink in a responsible way because they're going to do it, right? Yeah. So then afterwards, so my poor daughter, I give her this big long lecture about alcohol, alcohol abuse addiction um, and how it can damage your liver and how it shuts down your immune system for four hours while you process out the alcohol. And then I was like, took 10 minutes to think to myself about it. And then I turned around and I was like, okay, drink the beer. You need to drink the beer because you need to do it in a responsible way. And my daughter was just looking at me like, you're crazy, mom. But that's definitely, I think, one of those situations where I wish you and I had had the opportunity and taken the opportunity to talk about it first because right. 
you know, but then it also shows our kids that we're just human and sometimes we go back and forth on our ideas as well. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. This whole parenting thing is a journey that's quite uh, and it, it, it's a guy, it's right, trip. Exactly. There's always, there's going to be something else like this that shows up and we are not going to have the time to have like uh, a little tea over it and, you know, be ready to be on the same page how we're going to go about it. Yeah. I think. And, and it's part of being parents, doing your best with what you know. Mm-hmm. I can oh. tell you this, I talk to the kids a lot about sex to the point that they're like, yeah, mom, we got it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But thank you. I haven't done that yet. Oh, you haven't? See, <laughs> here's one more thing I didn't know about you. Okay, you should have, have the, well, you should have the conversation with them. Okay? Yeah. I think it would be good for them to get the male perspective as well because, you know, I'm potentially even scaring them because I'm constantly like, you know. But, you know, like, yeah, that, 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 bra- that raised a good point where I am more about... And I, th- there's a fine balance in between being proactive and also like letting it come when they're ready. Like I am a little bit more towards like you're more like proactive, like almost installing fear in them. Mm-hmm. Where I'm more like let's just when they're going to be ready, they bring the, c- the question, then I'll sit down and I'll m- do my best to like uh, and uh, answer their questions um, but I, I also like I think we're doing a pretty good job as just who we are mm-hmm. like just living our values and walking the talk that this is a teaching in itself mm-hmm. right but yeah I, th- I uh, this is more my approach and I think you know that about me yeah, and I'm uh, the yeah. opposite approach. I mean, having been in situations where, and this is something I only told my husband for the first time, I think this past year, mm-hmm. is that you know I had been raped. And then I came back a few months later because I remembered that I had actually been raped twice. Um, and that was shocking to my family who you know saw that I'd written that in a post. Um, and my kids got really curious about it. So then I had to you know learn the ways to talk to my girls because we have three girls, talk to them about that. I had also been in just, you know, being a girl, I'd been in lots of situations where, you know, there was, you know, men masturbating on the bus, you know, and trying to get my attention or, you know, being at a pool where there was a guy who felt my leg up, um, an old man who felt my leg up and I had to, you know, get him arrested. I had to tell the staff, you know, so that I come at it from such a different perspective, which is probably more fear-based for sure. Um, And this is why I want you to talk to the girls because I want them to get your perspective as being, I mean, you were a horny young man and, and, you know, and mm-hmm. you probably still are. Mm-hmm. Um, if we had more time, I'd probably know more about that. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, for them to have both sides of it, because I don't want our girls. over yet or? <laughs> they would not appreciate that at Whistler FM in their podcast studio. But, you know, it's. It definitely is. Yeah, no. is every conversation that you have with your kids is a conversation that I feel we should be having with our partners first and then having the different perspectives because I don't want to raise my girls in a fear-based state around men and around abuse and around sexual abuse and all of that. But I also you know, don't want them to be naive and think that everybody is amazing and kind and loving and mm-hmm. patient and honest as their dad. I did I, I did have a talk with Jaden already. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, like... Hazel, CD, I would keep that, you know. Until they're a little, little bit older. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, Jaden, like, there is always, like, in sh- since she's, like, a little girl, she's always asking me, right, like a- any kids, I think, but mostly her, she's like, tell me stories about you, you know. And then mm-hmm. I've been telling her, like, all the stories that I, 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 I could remember. Mm-hmm. And I've always told her, and I get to this point where I have more stories but these ones, you have to be a bit older. I cannot tell them right now. And right. then, like, yeah, she still comes back with this. Am I am I old enough now to like, oh, you know? That's cute. So they'll they'll come. And I come. just when I was in Hawaii doing that retreat with Alexander Franson, our copywriter, who I absolutely adore. We call her the Blue Mermaid. Um, she's just such an eloquent writer. She gets right to the point. But one of the techniques that she um, taught us and she said when it comes to story writing you know you you choose one story 
and not multiple stories. So just one story and, you know, you tell it in detail and then always make sure that there's a moral to the story. Always make sure like this is the lesson that you learned from it or this is a lesson you want other people to learn from it. And I think that's a good thing so that, you know, if I was coming to our girls with these conversations, I, you know, with that in mind, I wouldn't just be coming at them in that, um, you know, fear-based state. And so I see you picking up the guitar, which makes me think that it's getting close to having lunch and picking up the girls from school, I imagine, hey? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. You know what, babe? There's so much to talk about from everything from, like, how we used to cook food in the kitchen with our kids when they were in diapers and they would sit on the table with a chopping block between their legs and we'd give them a sharp knife and people used to freak out. But now we have kids that love being in the kitchen. I want to thank you, Pierre-Maxime Richet, for taking this time with me today. It was awesome to have this hour with you. I want to thank you, too, for making, like, every day something special, something new, like today. Amazing. You are amazing. We are amazing. And all you listeners out there, you guys are all amazing also. So be kind to your spouses. Consider switching to a plant-based food. If one of your spouse, one of your partners want to do that, then support your partner. Let them experiment with going back to school, with starting a business, with um, switching to a plant-based diet. Don't um, put your fears and limitations on them. Let them figure it out for themselves because, you know, as the book says that Pierre is reading right now, if it doesn't kill you it just makes you stronger so go out there have fun eat well be healthy peace 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 you can keep playing babe yeah close it off give her What's one thing that you're grateful for? Let's wrap it up that way. Yeah, boy, I'm grateful for one thing. That's a tough question. It's one thing today. To live where I live with mm. all the people surrounding me here. Thank that you. Is awesome. Thank you. Peace yeah. out. So that's it, folks. That was my first podcast with my husband. It was actually his first podcast ever. And it was so fun to have him in the room because half the time I'm not even sure he knows what I do. And because he's busy running around managing our green mustache locations, I actually have no idea what he does um, all of the time. And I know he does a lot because this man works harder than anyone I have ever met. He works smarter than anyone I've ever met. I'm deeply in love with his soul, his body, his mind, his spirit, his fatherness, the way he is the most gorgeous, loving, fun, energetic father to our three children. And I just had so much fun doing this podcast with him. Um, Pierre has such an inquisitive personality. He has such a love for tasty, delicious food. Uh, He always wanted to have a restaurant. So when I first created the first green mustache, I had no idea that he was going to leave teaching to join the company. And I'm so glad that he did because it saved my life. After I built out the third location, I had to put up the white flag and say, I'm drowning. Um, I was so exhausted from, you know, raising um, and being with our three kids who really needed me a lot. And I was trying to be there for them 100% of the time also be there for all of our staff at our three locations 100% of the time and it just was too much Um, and Wonder Woman that sometimes people call me that I think it's kind of crazy but at the end of the day I do have a lot of energy and I used it all up and I'm so glad that my husband came in to join the company and uh, you can go say hi to him at any one of our six green mustache locations um, at any given point in time 
And if you love this episode and you want Pierre and I to do another episode together, we have so many cool topics that we can chat about. We can chat about, you know, sex in an 18 year marriage. We can talk about raising kids on a plant-based diet, uh, what that looks like for when they go to birthday parties. We can chat about um, almost everything, what it's like to be living in a resort community where, you know, you battle trying to get up the mountain and get your kids to all these outdoor activities and what it means um, and, and what that does on our family life and dynamics. We can chat about what it's like to just even start a business together and work together. Any topic you want us to cover, we are happy to do that. So if anyone is listening to this podcast right now, please know that you have the power to reverse your diseases, chronic degenerative diseases. Those are lifestyle diseases. Only about 3% of all chronic diseases are genetic, which means that you have the power in your hands, in your mind, in your soul, in your courage to go out there and just try something, try something new, change your diet, change your exercise regime, change your house that you live in, change your relationship. Um, try and make that all better change your sleep patterns because we have control by changing those lifestyle factors those social determinants of health and that is the difference between life and death when we actually take control of our health don't just hand it over to the health professionals who tell you that surgery and medications are the only way because I'm here to tell you after working with thousands of people and helping hundreds and hundreds of people reverse their chronic degenerative diseases that you have a tool out there that's waiting for you to pick it up and use it so you can turn your health around. So please let us know what you thought about this podcast. If you need help, reach out to us at Richer Health. If you have a chronic degenerative disease that you want to try and reverse, we are there to teach you how to do it using food as medicine. Thanks for being with us. Go out there get healthy, eat some plants, check out the new Canadian food guide, which actually says ditch the dairy, ditch the animal products, start eating more fruits, vegetables, and beautiful grains. And if you can make them organic, you absolutely need to do that because you need to cut out the glyphosate people. All of that glyphosate, that which we thought was a pesticide is actually an antibiotic that has decimated our immune system, has decimated all of our soil systems, water and air systems. So we absolutely need to stop using it. You need to get it out of your system so that you can stand any chance and all chance of reversing your disease. So more on that in another podcast when we bring Zach Bush onto our podcast. That is my dream to have him on our show. And so please, if you want to message him and say, hey, get on to Nicolette's Eat Real to Heal podcast, please do that for us. We would love it. Um, any encouragement that you can give us, that would be fantastic. So go out there, eat your plants and be well, optimize your health and peace and love and plants. And hey, check out our PS I Love You campaign. And guess what? PS, we love you. Bye-bye. <laughs>